Hi, everyone, and welcome to Out of the Gray, a podcast by Standard Imaging. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast, leave a like, and share with your friends, family, and colleagues to help these messages continue their reach. Without any further delay, let's jump into this latest conversation. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Out of the Gray, the podcast where we discuss all things radiation oncology and medical physics. Today, we have an extra special guest with us all the way from Romania, Joshua Biro. Joshua, how are you today? Thank you very much, Mrs. Conley, for your kind introductory words. Good evening from Romania. I'm doing excellent. How about you? Ah, fabulous. Thank you so much. I appreciate you, uh, despite the time differences and everything, being willing to take time out of your day to join us here on Out of the Gray and share a little bit of your journey through medical physics um, there in Romania. It's my pleasure. So as we as we do here on Out of the Gray, to start things off, how did you find your way into medical physics? What did the beginning steps of your journey look like? Right now, I am in the first year of master's studies in University of Oradea, Romania. And my first steps in this field were thanks to my mother, who is a cancer survivor, and who I'm very proud and grateful for. And I decided since then, 10 years ago, that I would very much like to help people who are suffering either from cancer or just in general in medical field. So I decided that I'd try something based on medicine, but that would also combine mathematics because I would also very much like mathematics back then and even now. So when I was in the 12th grade, there was this national medical physics conference. It was on 7 November, the International Day of Medical Physics. So I decided to just see what it is like. And at that conference, our teachers have presented everything about how it is to be a medical physics physicist and pretty much how interdisciplinarity and how the enthusiasm of medical staff members is just present there in order to make people's lives better in general. And this has stunned me so much that I've decided to give it a shot. And very fortunately, in 2019, in September, I was admitted in University of Oradea in medical physics. And also in history, I was doing it in parallel for the undergraduate or licenza studies, as we say here in Romania. And I'm grateful for this experience because combining these two fields have helped me realize a lot of ways that we can help people. And the fact that learning is a continuous process. Yes, it definitely is. What an intriguing start to your to your journey through radiation oncology. Thank you for being willing to share the, the personal sides of that. I, I recognize there's several members in our field that have similar introductions, and I recognize those personal stories are sometimes difficult to share, but it's always very enlightening, and, and I definitely appreciate that. So you're currently um, in the midst of your medical physics program as a student there. What stage are you at in your educational process? Right now, as I have said, I'm in the first year of master's. This implies uh, topics, studying topics as radiobiology, for example, which is my passion along with radiation oncology, of course, radiotherapy. And it's always amazing to see how our teachers here at University of Oradea help us encourage embracing two different attitudes. One side, we have trying to combine the rigor with the curiosity and the willingness to take action after you have very much thought about what you're doing. Yes. 
some opposing viewpoints there, some difference in perspective, but it seems to be coming together nicely. Very much so. That's great. How many um, students are currently participating in your program? In this year, we are around 20 students. And when we were in undergraduate studies from years one to three, we were around 30 students. Oh, so some maybe some fall off there as the years go forward? Not exactly fall off, just some kind of oscillation depending on the generation in general, because it depends. It actually depends. There is always this yearly admission process. And regarding the generation, it always depends how much, how many people express their interest in medical physics at that moment. But who knows? There's always great people out there that can actually embark on this great journey. Without a doubt. That's, there is quite a bit of, of shift in the educational process. I know even you know, in my college days, people would start one program and then decide that another direction was better suited for them. So there's always these changes. About how many medical physics students per year would you say graduate the program and, and join the medical physics workforce? I can talk about my year, for example, of around, at the beginning, we were 40 students in the first year. But at the end of the undergraduate studies, there have graduated around 30. And now at master's, we are around 20. And I very much hope that they found it, find their passion in medical physics just as time follows. So speaking for Romania in a whole, how many medical physics programs are there throughout the country? There are several medical physics programs. It generally specializes in the master's studies because in undergraduate studies, we have we study in the first two years more about general physics in order to get a better grasp about the physical concepts that are beyond radiotherapy or imaging physics or me- nuclear medicine. And we, in the third year, we study the more specialized topics. Absolutely. And in the master studies, it generally depends from the city from city. There are programs that specialize specialize in medical physics purely, just like in Oradia, for example. And in other cities, it may very well be on biophysics, for example, or spectroscopy, which is amazing. Yes. Very interesting fields of study. So some specialization by the time you reach the last half of your maybe master's program. Is that where you kind of make the decision about where you're going to go? In general, yes. Okay. So so then. In, in Romania, as a master's graduate medical physicist, do you then go directly into the clinic to begin practicing? Or is there an additional uh, didactic program required before you start practice? In Romania, we generally do practice in the course of the studies. We have practiced since year one of undergraduate. And if people decide that they wish to do a doctoral a PhD in medical physics, then they can do so. And uh, about hiring, for example, it generally depends. I see. So the program, the medical physics program, is it uh, also, uh, along with didactic classroom-based study, is it is there also a clinical, there would be a clinical side of that as well? Yes. That's interesting. It's interesting to think back on how, and compare and contrast between how the programs worked here and, and compare it to how they worked there. So it sounds very similar. Is there a... A large portion of the medical physics master's level students that graduate that go on to to attain a PhD, or is it more common to stay at the master's level and go and be uh, be a clinical person? As far as I know, 
there are quite a lot of uh, students who finish their master's studies and decide to do a PhD. I have a few friends who actually are in the course of their PhD, and I am also very proud of. And it's always amazing to see the variety of their reactions, all of them which are positive, but very acknowledging of the challenges that await. Yes. How many days a week are you currently in the clinic? We are not exactly doing right now practice. We're not doing practice right now. But in general, as I remember, we would have, for example, several uh, weeks per semester that we would go every weekday in the clinic. Ah. Of course, after the pandemic restrictions have uh, subsided. Ah, yes, that's true. The pandemic did do a lot to alter a clinical experience for students here as well. Even in the pandemic, uh, for example, we had some bit of a computational physics course in the third year in the undergraduate where we would use MATLAB, for example. And our teacher would show us examples from radiotherapy modeling that can be accessed through MATLAB coding, Mm -hmm. which is great. Even though I'm somehow more focused on the phenomenological side and maybe even more on the mathematical side, not exactly in in the computational physics, it's always inspiring to see how much of medical physics has evolved in the past century. Like you would have, have, for example, in uh, 1901, I believe, it was Rubel, for example, who was talking about uh, one of the first cases, case reports of uh, acute radiation syndrome. And he was using the term skiography, if I'm pronouncing it well, to describe radiographies. And yet here we are now, with all the marvels of medical physics, such as nuclear medicine, radiotherapy, imaging physics. Yes, it's been a very explosive growth over the past 100 years, and even more so, in my mind, in the past 20. It's kind of just been meteoric, just shooting shooting right up. Exponentially. Just like the the decay equation, for example. (laughs) Except they're not low, but high. Right. Exactly. Exactly. It's it's really been fascinating. It's very it's extremely fascinating to watch the process of growth and change as accuracy improves with the additional the additional changes and, and things that we're implementing in the field. What might you see on the horizon for radiation therapy? What do you what do you think is next? I mean, recently we've seen we've seen the release of MR Linux and we've seen the the implementation of of uh, you know even even Pet access to pet imaging on a, on a Linux and, and uh, amazing technologies coming out. What do you think is the next big hurdle for radiation oncology? As I'm currently just a student, I can only assume, but I'll try my best. Sure. I'll try to talk on two perspectives. The first being the purely physical one and the second being a human one. The first side, I believe, is represented by the fact that we will try our best to induce transdisciplinary and interdisciplinarity even more since we have, for example, the nuclear oncology, which is not only the conventional oncology, but also a bit of nuclear medicine, just like you have said. And also combining a bit of imaging can show great results to patients since if One thing that I have learned from one of my teachers is that if we treat patients as an average and we give every patient the same treatment, 
there would be different results, but not always the expected ones. So what we can do is, with the help of, of course, radiobiology and many other marvels of medical physics, we can see the particularities of each patient as much as we can, of course, from that moment and strive to improve that and optimize the rate, the therapy, the treatment planning and so on and so forth, so that it would give the not necessarily perfect, but of course, the effect that is desired. And on the human side, I believe that it is very important to review our attitudes toward general mistakes. Because of course, in radiotherapy, uh, errors are generally unacceptable because they can cause the life of the patient. And yet, as I've said, as it's noticed, giving the very same treatment to every patient is not always desirable. So by taking the responsibilities and by asking questions in the process of learning, both uh, in theory and in practice, I believe that we have to take responsibility for our mistakes when we do them. And also another side of our responsibility is that when we put questions, we might not always get direct answers. You might get another question. And following the path of the question line, there is more or less a solution that can help improve our lives. And not only that, but it can also improve both the value of working individually and the value of working in team. Because when you're working individually, you take responsibility as a person. And yet, you still learn to ask for help whenever needed. When you work in a team, it is great to see the results of your work as a team and see the contributions of every member. But if individually or as a team, we take the responsibility and embark on this journey to try to to make the information more accessible, of course, without going too far into the pop physics aspects or oversimplifying things, we can achieve great results and learn even more wherever you are, because this is the effect of uh, information in that there is so much information that we have to train ourselves to learn properly. But I believe it is entirely possible wherever you are. That's a a truly positive and, and optimistic outlook. And I, I couldn't agree more. I think there's an opportunity there to for everyone to learn and kind of grow. And I agree with with you on on uh learning to ask questions and uh and taking responsibility. I know sometimes that's what we do is there is inherent risk, but stepping up and, and taking that responsibility and mitigating those risks is always the the goal, I think, making sure we avoid accidents and things of that nature. So for for the next little to kind of transition a little bit, um, we've kind of chatted about your your entry into the field and and what your program looks like there, and a little bit about what you what you where you see our field going. What's next on the horizon for for you? What when is uh, when will you be completing your your program there? The next year will be my final year of masters, and currently in parallel with my university studies, I'm also an editor to help, uh, these are this kind of special of exercise notebooks that are made for uh, students that are in middle school and high school. So it's always amazing to see how, how much material you get from teachers and you get to give them a new country. 
I think this will potentially help me in the future to understand the perspectives of working in a team in medical physics, even more so in radiotherapy, where it's very much a work team because you have the medical physicist, you have the dosimetrist there in America, you have, for example, the, the doctor, of course, the medical specialist. And I would very much like to continue my studies and to help people who are suffering of cancer, but I'm also open to other opportunities. So admirable, absolutely um, admirable. To kind of oh, unpack that a little bit, you, so the, you're an editor of of resources for regional youth. Like, a, like uh, is this a a notebook for for physics, or what does that look like? Uh, there are for many subjects. It's including physics. Right now, I'm working on a project on history, but in the future, I'll also do on physics as well. Wow. Interesting. I'm also planning to write, in this spirit, a book about medical physics for high school students because I noticed that in general, in Romania at least, but I'm sure that in other countries, the situation is like that as well. Uh, physics is unfortunately regarded as less interesting because of only trying to take problems and mathematics. But with the help of my my physics teacher back in high school, who has encouraged us to see the physical phenomena, even more so than the problems, for example, I have actually tried to understand the best as I could that it is very important to try to understand and to apply and, of course, to put questions, just as I said. So I'm... Right now, I'm trying to write this book about medical physics that is aimed towards mostly high school students, but also maybe undergraduate students, and to share with them this kind of wonderful journey, because I believe it is worth it. That's amazing. The outreach is so important. I, I recognize exactly what you mean by uh, physics is not necessarily the most exciting class in high school or, you know, in secondary school uh, and encouraging those youth to participate in a way that would put them on a path to become a medical physicist. That's truly admirable work and seeing that out that outreach and, and the efforts there greatly appreciated, I'm sure. Do you have an opportunity to interact with the students that utilize these tools? I've been hired there for two months, so I'm new there in the team. Uh. But I generally try to interact with the teachers in the spirit of exactly what do their students need. Mm -hmm. And with this information, we're trying our best to adapt information that may seem rigid at first to be interactive and admirably accessible to the students there, because I think it is very important to not um, let curiosity and uh, the putting of questions to be punished, because it may happen sometimes that we take the art of asking questions as a punishment or as some sort of disturbing, but with trying to do our best in this sense, we can actually achieve more than we dare to imagine right now. Undoubtedly. Undoubtedly. And then for the for the book that you're working on, the book that you're you're writing, um, when 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 can we buy that off the shelves? Thank you very much for asking. Right now, I'm beginning the process of writing it, but uh, we'll keep in touch, and I'll tell you exactly when when it will be available. You have to come back on the show. I'll be more than honored. Oh, that'd be fabulous! I know there's 
there's never enough resources, especially as you mentioned, um, creating this resource for for youth and kind of paving a path that's easier than maybe the one that one travels these days where you kind of, most people I speak to find medical physics by accident. So it's it's either um, kind of a, a family, a familial experience like you shared with us earlier, or um, we, you know, fell into it as I hear that a lot. There's, you know, I I, saw, I found this uh, on accident or a, a teacher told me about it, things like that. But uh, to have a, a print, uh, something you can hand on, hand, hang on to and, and utilize as a, as a developing youth would be nothing short of fabulous. Thank you. Another very interesting thing that I, I believe I noticed is that it is endearing the fact that not only the youth is generally impressed when they learn about it, but also sometimes specialists. Because I remember having a seminar with my class last year in uh, the dosimetry class about Oramed. Oramed is a, an European project that is about the optimization of radiation protection for medical staff. And because I very much like radiotherapy and radiobiology, it was pretty much some sort of getting out of my comfort zone because it was very little to do with radiotherapy and more about uh, nuclear medicine and imaging and uh, cardiac intervention. So what our teacher asked us to do is take information from PubMed and try to review it as much as you can. And we remember having some sort of debate about whether this project helped specialists in medical physics and even medical specialists optimize radiation protection or not. And our conclusion and my joy was to find out that this Oramed was engaged in more working projects, sub-projects, and working packages. And the last, but sometimes overlooked, I believe, package was the education and dissemination one. And there were some amazing results in this project. For example, obtaining new conversion coefficients for photons or um, taking account of the shielding of the extremities, even more so considering that the radiation dose limit for lens had been lowered to 20 zeverts after studying discernible accident uh, survivors. And uh, it was amazing to find that even with those amazing discoveries, the thing that had the most effect towards everyone involved in the project and not only, even outside of the project, was the dissemination project or, or package even more better said. Because I believe it is very important that when we obtain good results, that can potentially change the world, it is very important to have the courage to speak up. This doesn't mean to be arrogant or overly selfish, but it does help to have the courage to speak up. Yeah, well, it pushes the field forward. Without um, without sharing those advancements, we, we would kind of be stagnant longer than we need to be. Let's step away for a moment to hear from our sponsor, Standard Imaging. With more than 30 years of dedication to good physics, Standard Imaging offers world-class QA solutions, unbeatable implementation support, and customer-centric development practices to ensure your priorities drive our ambitions. Stay up to date with the latest in news and releases by following Standard Imaging on LinkedIn, Twitter, YouTube, and of course, our regularly updated website, standardimaging.com, where you'll find information about our portfolio of QA solutions, 
access customer care, or contact your regional account manager. We look forward to working with you and your team very soon. Let's step back into today's podcast. With this type of course being involved, uh, you'd mentioned it, you know, the, the cath lab, the, the cardiac intervention, and, and the nuclear medicine side of it. Is part of the coursework including other other modalities, other uh, students from other programs kind of joining in for some of these classes as well? Uh, there is, for example, the Erasmus project, the mobility project Erasmus. And for example, I have some um, classmates that are right now in Hung- Hungary at Erasmus, which is amazing because it can help uh, widen your horizons. Yes. What does that program look like? Uh, this is pretty much a mobility program that essentially, as far as I know, involves contracts between universities that are in this program. And uh, students go there. They can either go to study and take the exams as a normal university work, or they can also do practice. My classmates, for example, are in practice. That's very interesting. And the the name of the program was Erasmus? Yes. Will you be participating in that program as well? I'm planning to participate, for example, maybe the following year, because it would, I believe it genuinely would be a very interesting experience. And you'd mentioned that that's in Hungary, so you'd have to travel? Not exclusively in Hungary. You can go in more universities in the world, and it can help you try to see not only more cultures, but also more uh, ways of interacting with medical physics. And not only, the Erasmus program is for many topics, not only medical physics, but it is amazing. I see. So it's it's a way where it's um, a collaborative effort between universities to educate. Exactly. I see. That really sounds like a great opportunity to go and, and, and learn and kind of share, as you said, in different cultures and, and different flavors of medical physics. So there's a program there in Romania as well, or Hungary? What, what, what universities are involved? In general, universities of Europe, as far as I know, there are also universities in the world, for example, in Japan, I believe. But it generally depends on the contracts the universities have. I see. Oh, Japan, that would be a change, huh? Yes. What an opportunity that would be. I see some beautiful places uh, with taking advantage of a program like that. So is that, uh, you do that after you finish your master's degree? Uh, the Erasmus program can be followed at any time during the studies, from the first years of the undergraduate to the final year of the master's. So final year of master's, so that, so that would wrap up your program there. Do you have to do a, a thesis of sorts, a, a final capstone project? Yes, we generally have to do this both after the three years of undergraduate. The thesis is called Lucare de Licenza. And after the two years of master's, you have the Lucrare de Dissertatia, which is essentially another thesis, just a bit more specialized on what you're planning to do. Do you have a topic selected yet? Uh, Right now, I'm in the process of brainstorming with myself, frankly, but I'll try my best to to decide myself over a topic. The undergraduate uh, thesis was about those response theories. And again, this was a challenge that has taken me really much out of the conference zone because the studies of history has have also helped me to see how much 
which these uh, conceptions over which theory should be accepted or not, or where exactly the, the status of those theories are, have changed in time. That's quite the project for an undergraduate thesis, I'd say. What were the primary theory sets that you evaluated or reviewed or, or uh, worked on and uh, discussed there within your thesis? The thesis was more of a literature review. I was just trying to review some studies I have found, not only on PubMed, but also on other websites like these. And the four theories are as follows. The, the linear non-threshold theory, the linear with threshold theory, hormesis, and the bystander. The most recent one is bystander, which essentially uh, shows that there are, you know, there is this negative response of the cells to radiation, which is called detriment. And hormesis, for example, shows that at low dose, so each one of these these four theories are presented conceptually because we very well know that at very high doses, the negative effect on the cells is great. However, the big question mark is at low doses. What, do exa- what exactly do we do at low doses? And for exact values, we cannot always say for sure because cells have this pr- property of being variable. Nature in general has the property of being variable so that it is always interesting to see how exactly they behave. And for the hormesis theory, it sustains that there is actually a positive effect on the cells for very small doses of radiation. And the bystander theory sustains that at at low doses, Uh, not only the targeted cell is affected, but also the surrounding or the bystander ones. This is why it is named like this. This was, just as a subjective take on the subject, this was my favorite theory out of all of the four. And the one which is somewhat said to be outdated is the one which sustains that uh, it the detriment grows linearly with the dose, but only beginning with a threshold dose. And this raises a very big question mark that maybe can also be followed by an exclamation mark because exa- of exactly the variety of this kind of uh, biological property. The fact that nature in general is variable and you always have to take into account the radio resistance, which, of course, which was not so well fundamented in the 20th century when this theory was proposed. And last, last but not least, we have the linear non-threshold theory. Is the theory it's the theory that is in general and officially most accepted because it tries its best to optimize the radiation protection in that it considers that a very low dose can also cause some detriment to the cell. And it is considered to be important, for example, because in imaging you have small doses. And instead of, for example, regretting some sort of effects that may or may not happen, because you cannot take every single individual in the planet and expose it like that, it's much more conservative and better, for example, to consider this. Let's see, maybe fewer imaging studies. 
none i this is only my take on this problem but i believe there are also many more much more experienced people that can answer this question but my personal take is that it is always good to take the best conclusions out of every study because as i previously mentioned there was this um, severe lowering of the threshold of the limit dose for the lens which was i believe 150 zverts for the lens to 20 zverts for the lens in 2011 due to studying the cernable effect so the this um, lowering which is a great lowering is based on the studies that have been done so i believe there should be some sort of balance between how many people we're or how many studies do we have to support something and the and the quality of the conclusions that we can take out of them yeah very important i i, I would agree there totally there's um there's a lot to be gleaned from so there's many many studies you know there's a lot to be gleaned from those and taking taking the optimistic road is, is a good method i would say well, I, I certainly appreciate everything you've been willing to share with us today. Is there anything else you wanted to cover? I uh, wanted to chat about about your your journey through medical physics or uh, how things are going there in Romania. Thank you very much. Right now, we're only having courses. The exam period is in uh, June, July, so we still have time to study. That we're trying to use the best as we can. Uh, we're essentially doing very much debates at the courses we're doing. Uh, the undergraduate studies are important and are also important just like the master studies. But in general, the master studies are more focused on debating problems. You have this information that you, of course you have to learn, but you also debate on them based either on cases, especially radiotherapy or in radiobiological properties that are more or less observed. Interesting. Yeah. So there's, there are some variations there. I'm glad you've got some more time to study. That's lovely. Um, but it's, it's interesting to see the, the, how the, the approaches change as, as the years go, go on. It's important. If you could go back and give yourself a piece of advice at the beginning of your educational journey through medical physics, what piece of advice might you offer to yourself or say another beginning student who's in their first year of medical physics undergrad? That's a great question. And I believe I'm trying as best as I can to be honest, of course. And what I would like to express is that I believe it is very important to, to accept sometimes that um, you can do mistakes, that even if you do not know everything in a given time or in a given moment, whether or not you're tested, it is all right to take your time and uh, cherish the experiences that you have or that you create, because it is always best to do as much as you can, of course, not uh, affecting your mental health in a serious way, but it is always great to take the courage to create as much experiences as you can, even if the outcome is not always the best. Mistakes can happen. It can happen to fail or to do mistakes that, for example, you might 
as well then be said about. But if you take the time to regulate and to understand what has happened then and to let your mind and spirit contribute to that, it is something that you probably now you won't even dare to imagine. But in the future, it's a great mystery that will always give, that will always express or reflect your effort and your um, happiness, I can say, as long as you are there, as long as you're present, not only with your body, but also with your being. Sound advice, truly. And it's, it's, that's a difficult thing to do. Uh, to, to be present is often hard, especially when learning gets chaotic and there's so many things, but taking that time to remember to center and be present is valid advice. And I appreciate that. So take this one step further. Um, as you you complete your your lessons here in the next year or so and, and kind of move on to your next phase of life, what piece of advice might you have for someone who's already a seasoned medical physicist? As learning as a, is a continuous process, do not punish yourself whenever you don't get the answers that you're looking for immediately. Because we generally expect, when we put a question, we generally expect the, the answers to those questions to be right out of the bat or immediately be given, either by you or by someone else. But if you're actively searching and understanding that there might be some another questions that substitute the answer that you're looking for, and take the responsibility and risk, I may say, but it's a, it's a great risk to follow whatever these questions have in common and also notice their differences in approaches, in their approaches, because sometimes the questions we have can be somewhat contradictory, so to say. And that's not a shame, especially not in medical physics, I believe, considering they're just as I mentioned, there are these theories that are quite disputed even now. Even with this divergence of questions, do not punish yourself if you do not get the immediate answer. I think this would be it. It'll be helpful for maintaining that level of of clarity to not, not beat yourself up, kind of offer that grace that you would offer a friend. It's not easy. It's uh, difficulty and stress are things that exist in our lives. And it's never a shame to ask for the correct help whenever we need it. Agreed. That is one thing throughout the course of, of my career, too, that I've noticed that learning to ask for help early is far better than spinning tires and, and then being exhausted when you reach out. So I can appreciate that as well. Joshua, I've had a blast chatting with you today. I, I can't thank you enough for taking time, uh, despite the the time differences again, to, to join me and share your story from radiation therapy, medical physics, and such an amazing one to share. We look forward to seeing your book. I want to, I, I, you got to reach out to me and let me know when that's published so I can, I can shout it from the rooftops. Guaranteed. I cannot also express enough my, uh, my gratefulness and happiness for being present with you as well. 
And I would also like to thank the viewers who are watching us. And just a thing that I would also like to mention just in the end is that I would invite you not to uh, take yourself too harshly and to to take your resources and create your resources if you have the ability to do so. And I believe in you that you do have this ability to create and find the resources that help you, even if not immediately. Sound advice and something we will we will all take with us as we kind of venture forward in our in our journeys. Thank you very much. Thank you. Folks, if you're still hanging out with us, we certainly appreciate that. We have had a blast having you with us today and we look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you so much and have a great day.